This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 8, Episode 18, No Prisoners. And let's start it off with a couple announcements. As we mentioned last week, post-game chatter is on the horizon. Next week, Episode 19 comes out on October 9th. The deadline for you to submit your questions for post-game chatter is at 5 p.m. Central that day. So if you have questions for post-game chatter, you can submit them now. And if you're holding out until episode 19 comes out before you submit your questions, you have until 5 p.m. that day to do so. At that point, we will get the cast together. We'll record post-game chatter and answer all the questions you guys submitted to us. And for our second announcement, we have an update on Series 9. Typically, every three series on the podcast, we have a short series comprised of 10 episodes. Uh, But this will not be the case with Series 9. We decided that we wanted to show you Manifest the RPG in its full glory. So we're doing 20 episodes. In addition to expanding the number of episodes, we decided to expand the cast. Uh, we previously announced that it was going to be Tommy as the GM, uh, me, Ryan Covert, Sean Four, and Dan Barron coming back uh, for the cast. But we've decided to add pretty much every cast member that was available for recording for this series uh, to come back onto the mic and portray their favorite kinds of characters for Manifest. So in addition, we're also adding to the cast list Seth Lilly from Series 1, 3, and 7, Roman Mylan from Series 2 and 5, and Nick Gajeri's coming back for his third series in a row with Series 7, 8, and now nine. So all your favorite cast members will be rotating in and out, making uh, their appear- making appearances with their favorite kind of character that you can play in Manifest. And we're really excited to show you what Manifest is all about. That's all the announcements we have for you guys today. So let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM is Hello. about Series 8, Episode 17, Shadow of the Master. An emotional episode where you guys explored what had become of Dudo Nuem, who you had previously thought dead. Uh, a secret I've been sitting on for most of the series, just waiting for the opportunity to bring him back and show him off. Uh, but all of that basically stands alone and speaks for itself during the episode. And for this Words of the GM, I kind of wanted to give the listeners a chance to like kind of peek at my notes because I wasn't really sure what you guys were going to do in regards to Dudo and the, you know, the artifacts of Darth Venari and whatnot. I didn't know if you're going to like leave him on Ulkaroth or bring him and like let him don the armor to like help at the last minute when you really needed like just the extra power, that kind of thing. And I guess it never really occurred to me that you guys might just destroy the artifacts. And it was great because it felt like a very Jedi thing, like, we're like, no, we're not going to give in to the temptation of using this power. There's no way this power can be used well. We're getting rid of it. 
uh, and freeing our friend from this influence. And like, that was super cool. And I really, really enjoyed that decision and it felt really sweet for the story, but it did result in, uh, in me never really getting to fully show off, uh, these artifacts that I had created from scratch. And I figured, uh, it might be interesting for the listeners to kind of hear what all the different artifacts of Darth Venari's kind of did. Um, and it might give some GMs some ideas on how to create your own kind of force artifacts. It's worth noting that uh, there is a source book um, for the mystic career. Um, I believe it's called Unlimited Power. And uh, it actually has some force artifacts in it. And I think a couple guidelines on how to make your own. When I put this campaign together, that book hadn't come out yet. So I was pleased to find that some of my some of the tricks I used kind of carried over into what they suggested. Uh, one thing is every piece of Darth Venari's gear uh, gives the user an additional force rating, which was useful for Dudo because with all the cybernetics that he had implanted in him, his force rating had been reduced to one. Uh, so with all three artifacts on him, he had a force rating of four. The other thing I did is I had each item kind of give uh, the user certain talents from different career specializations. So... The sword gives the user lethal blows three, which on Dudo is extra crazy because he already, as like a hunter to archetype, had lethal blows. Uh, and lethal blows makes it so your critical hits are even more crazy. It's why with a single hit, Venari was able to almost just outright kill Jaxamar. The helmet also gives the user a couple talents from certain trees uh like the marked for death maneuver which lets you commit a force die and you get two advantage uh you get to add two advantage to all combat checks against that target uh until they're dead and then essential kill which lets you add force dice to any attack you make and you can spend force points to add advantages or three force points to add a triumph. What you might get here is that with all those extra advantages and all those extra triumphs, it makes it so that Darth Venari stuff makes you crit really good. <laughs> because as we've learned throughout this campaign, um, crits are one of the best way to just kill something. If you get a high enough modifier for your crit, you just end it immediately. As for the shield, that is actually a modified version of something that already exists in one of the books. Uh, I believe it's the Guardian book that has a Sith shield in it. And that whole, uh, as the wielder of the shield gets hit in combat, they can commit force die to channel their fury into the shield uh, and then unleash that energy in a torrent of hate. Uh, to hurt everyone around them. Uh, that's the thing that actually exists. All I did was make it so instead of uh, unleashing the anger being an action, I made it uh, basically a maneuver uh, so that he could also attack after doing it. Um, and on top of that, I made the shield also give the user the one of the newest force powers that came out, uh, which is the ability to commit force dice to ignore critical injuries. All this is to say, like, I, I kind of just used the things that were already existing in the book from different talent trees uh, to create unique items. And that's actually something you can do a lot in different RPGs. Like, if it's, if it's an RPG with any sort of, like, special class abilities or, or talents or, or anything like that, um, you can make unique, you know, magically imbued items uh, that just give you something that 
another class or another character would have uh, without you having to make the investment of spending your XP that way or spending you know your talent points that way. And when you think about it, that's kind of a, a low amount of effort for creating an extremely cool and uh, unique, memorable item uh, for your players. But uh, you guys took these magic items and threw them into a sun, so that's all we have to say about those. Um, it was honestly probably the right decision. Um, but let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, favorite parts. I want to know what your favorite part of the last episode was. Um, I have a really special love for any part uh, where Tan is uh, talking about her ship, and especially in the last episode when we were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we have to shoot these into a star." So. Um, we're going to have to like jettison one of the escape pods and, and Brie did just the best job. I found myself laughing after like a very emotional episode where she's like freaking out about the loss of like something that ultimately is very replaceable. And you hear her and you hear her talk herself through that. She's like, oh, yeah, it's OK. If we live through this, we can get a new one. We can buy a new escape pod. And I just really loved that, like she was so true to her character and like all of the like drama, like this ship is home. And so it's important to have it intact. And I just love that so much. But what about you? What was your favorite part? So, so when it comes to this episode, I don't know if I can pick one single favorite part because I think my favorite thing about the episode was something that consisted throughout the entire thing. And it was, um, as I've shown before in previous series, as a GM, I like to create emotionally charged moments and, uh, and put characters in positions where they have to make tough, tough decisions, uh, that may not entirely always be life and death. It might just be like moral decisions. And my favorite thing is running for a, a cast this talented in that I can create those decisions and then just sit back as a GM and just let you guys talk things out as characters and do very emotionally charged, entertaining scenes. Uh, you as listeners enjoy listening to this and I do too. So it's really fun when we have an episode as a GM where I can just sit back and watch you guys uh, go through like all of the, all of the steps of like grief and, and figuring out what to do next and talking it out and making these emotionally charged scenes. Because basically I, I make a game here. I put together stat blocks and, and like a, and like a story or whatever, but you guys turn it into like, you know, art, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> you guys add, uh, add a soul to it. And, uh, and it's really, it's really, uh, rewarding for me as a GM when I set up these moments and then can just sit back and, and watch it play out and, uh, and get that kind of entertainment factor. Uh, so those scenes, which were just, you know, beginning to end throughout this episode, uh, were my favorite thing. But the drama is far from over. Uh, you guys still have to uh, make your way towards the deep core and this mysterious planet known as Cinder One. So without further ado, let's move on in and listen to Series 8, Episode 18, No Prisoners. Enjoy. I am Jaxamar Sorrell, human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant, rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master LeWitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials defusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. 
The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us, and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, it falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Mobuk and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Exhibitor, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, but I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobok, Lieutenant Tan Mobok of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, nearly died trying to fight my way out. And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now, now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and Elkiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my MO. We've done some good helping out with the Hydean Underground. One day, though, I'm going to give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. To me, to Sorel, to Alkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war, but I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0, at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well, there isn't much time. Please lean back, this will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility, and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. I am Elkiri Kanti, Padawan learner. The Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. That it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Noem, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. 
After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, and now, along with her, we formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. There's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorel, Tan, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. The last time we left the crew of the Excipiter, they had landed on the planet of Oklaroth to plan their next move. After having encountered the avatar of a long-dead Sith Lord and learning that said avatar was, in fact, Elkiri's fallen master, Dudo Nuem. Uh, when he recovered, he, was, uh, he had no memory of his life as Dudo, and uh, though memory's gone, his personality seemed relatively intact. The crew decided to jettison the artifacts of Darth Venari into a star to prevent Dudo from ever uh, being drawn into the Sith Lord's grasp again. From there, they planned their move. With the help of Pep Dantor, uh, they acquired a map of the Deep Core and the hidden hyperlanes the Empire has there. In the Deep Core, they they plan on finding a planet which has the code name Cinder One, where the Empire is apparently housing a biological weapon that is tailor-made to destroy potentially all of Coruscant's population. You guys returned to Oklaroth after destroying the artifacts, gave your farewells to Rishala, and and invited Dudo back onto the Excipiter and uh, left the planet heading towards the deep core. Uh, getting, that, getting that way isn't going to be the hard part. It will take some time. Uh, you guys do have just a little over a week before you get close enough to the deep core. The more, uh, the more core word you get, the more obscure pathways you have to take to avoid any imperial entanglements. Um, but you have that information and you are being careful. And so... Uh, I'm not going to make you roll for that. Uh, you can make stops along the way if there's any anywhere you guys want to stop. Um, otherwise, you do have some time on the ship. What are you guys doing with Dudo? Is he remaining restrained or...? I think for the time being, he's at least got binders on. Even though he could probably just force use the force to get them off, it's more of a trust-gaining measure. Does he seem changed at all now that the artifacts are destroyed? He does seem a little more clear-headed. He says he felt something when you guys were away. He's not sure what, but uh, he like his memories don't come back, and he doesn't feel the pull of the artifacts anymore. And he does at one point like say like that beating heart that I felt at the center of the galaxy, that like connection I have to it is fading. Um, you also can tell pretty easily, uh, Elkiri and Jaxmar, that his connection to the Force is diminished in his uh, in his altered state. You're not actually sure he'd be able to remove those handcuffs with the Force. Maybe if he tried really hard, but but it, it wouldn't be a, a sure thing. Before we left Oklaroth, I picked up some paints there and 
I spend most of my time on this journey with Dudo. Uh, but in the time I'm not with him, I am painting the ancient Sith battle armor with the, the pattern and symbols of the Jedi Temple Guard. Yep, Oakleroth has a bountiful export of paints uh, and pigments due to its extensive flora. So you can uh, getting that pigment would not be hard, and you can definitely work on that um, in your spare time on this journey. Anyone else uh, getting into anything before we reach the edge of the deep core? I'll spend some time with uh, Dudo as well, um, trying to help him with his memories if they're not all just completely gone see if he can begin to remember more than he has already as you talk with him elkiri you can roll an average charm test against two challenge dice or a hard discipline check with two challenge dice or a daunting education or medicine check uh, on this charm test, I got two successes and five advantages. You and Jax are spending time with Dudo. You with the primary goal of trying to help recover some of his memories. It's similar to when Jax Mar spent the, the evening talking to Dudo on Oklaroth, in that, like, while he doesn't really remember things and doesn't really remember you, uh, you his personality seems similar. If a little warped and tainted by his time connected with Darth Venari, his like sense of humor and and the uh some of his wisdom still like seems to be there and uh he does seem to connect with you in a similar way to how he used to. Uh Tan and Oko, there's probably occasional times where you guys are moving about the ship and you f- hear like raucous laughter coming out of the med bay uh from uh your two Jedi companions and Dudo. <laughs> um as like they tell Dudo about some crazy adventure they went on with him at one point. Uh, there are times when you are, you know, recounting uh, your experiences with him where he seems to start to, like, remember them. Uh, and then also, like, in between these sessions when you talk to him, like, he, you know, he does seem to, like, have dreams that seem f- founded in memory. Uh, his dreams seem more pre- uh, more prone to be fragments of memories than uh, than fabrication. He's incredibly thankful for the time you guys are spending on him. And uh, Jaxmar, having spoken to him both before and after the um, uh, artifacts were destroyed, you see a marked difference. Like, in the conversation you were having with him before, he kept bringing the conversation back to Darfinari and his destiny and the fact that he needed to destroy this threat at the center of the galaxy. Uh, now he's Dudo, but without the memories, almost. Uh, there's even a point, Elkiri, like, as you guys are finishing up, uh, where he, he kind of hugs you and thanks you and says, On Oklaroth, while I was speaking with Jaxamar, I, I said that my instincts, which I'm starting to recognize might have been the pull of the Force, guided me to those Sith artifacts. And those Sith artifacts guided me to you. And I told Jaxamar that I thought that that meant... The will of the Force was for you to assist me in, Darth, in completing Darth Venari's quest. But with the artifacts gone and having been able to spend time with the two of you, I've started to think that perhaps the will of the Force was for me to 
bring the artifacts to you so you could destroy them and ultimately save me. Thank you, Elkiri. You're welcome. I'm glad we were brought together again. As am I. And then he goes to, to rest for that evening. Having spent enough time with Sudo to be confident that while his memories are gone, he is my friend. In the last day or so before we reach the deep core and this trip becomes much more dangerous, uh, I will find him in the med bay and take off his binders and hand him his lightsaber. This is yours, my friend. I have kept it safe for a time, but it belongs with you. He reaches out, grasps it in his hand, taking it from you. He feels the weight of it, and he steps back, and he ignites it, and, like, that green light washes over his face, and, like, it seems to, like, refresh him, and, like, a slightly playful smile, like, crosses crosses his, uh, his mouth, and he kind of, like, gives it a couple spins, and then turns it off again, and he says, this I remember, and he clips it to his belt. Well, come on. We're not done remembering yet. Got to see how much of your skills are still there. And I step back into the cargo bay and ignite my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he smiles, lights the lightsaber, and uh, does his signature hawkbat swoop out of the med bay, uh, swinging it down at you. Uh, you catch it and parry. His skills are very rusty. And, and you guys, you know, you power down the lightsabers and you train a little bit uh, with them on low power mode. Uh, so, like, you're not, like, in any real danger and you, you train a little bit. He has some of the, the basics and he has some, some of his Ataru striker uh, specialization, like, is still there. Um, but he actually does need, like, quite a few refresher courses and he's not nearly as, uh, nearly as good as he used to be. At some point... I mean, any one of you could have heard lightsabers clashing in the cargo bay. <laughs> I'll uh, run out of my room, at, like, with my lightsaber, like, drawn, and then recognize that they're playing. I have a huge smile on my face. He's, like, shouting out pointers at Dudo, like, watch your footwork. <laughs> I'll uh, turn my lightsaber off and go back. <laughs> this is their thing. <laughs> <laughs> So it takes us uh, over a week to get to the deep core, correct? Yes. Uh, a couple days into that, Tan like goes to the cockpit and opens up her drawer where she had stashed her, her bottle of whiskey and it's empty. She closes it. And she goes back to her room. And she rifles through all her drawers. She closes it. She goes out into the hallway and she like bumps a panel with her elbow and it <laughs> pops off. And she goes, oh, God. And she reaches in and she pulls out a bottle and it's empty. She swears. She throws it down. <laughs> she closes the panel. Oko, where are you? The med bay. Uh, she walks around the ship until she finds Oko in the med bay. Um, and she holds up a, a deck of cards. And she says, feeling up for a game of sabak? You know I doshing hate this waiting. Your record against the computer is not strong, Master Tan. Well, maybe if you didn't cheat so often... It's unfair you going through all the possibilities that are <laughs> uh, available in the entire world. Don't hate the player, Master Dan. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she smiles at that. Yeah, Oko deals the cards. 
You know, you gave me a, a real scare back there when you plugged into Dudo. You, you got to be more careful. I will take that into consideration. I don't know what I'd do without you, Naranuma. Pure Sabak. Want to go again? Best two out of three? Sure. And the Exhibitor has always felt like home to the four of you. But uh, with Jaxamar finally seeming to shake off some of the weariness of the past few years, uh, getting to reconnect with Dudo and nearby Oko and Tan playing cards and Elkiri like uh, standing above the ladder watching from the upper levels. Uh, It's, you know, it's like the family's finally back together. And you get the alarm saying that you're going to be dropping out of hyperspace soon. I am in the cockpit the moment that alarm sounds. I will hop into the co-pilot seat and bring Dudo along with me for his astrogation skills. I uh, noticeably stiffen as he steps into the cockpit, but I don't say anything. Okay. The Exhibitor drops out of hyperspace in no man's land nearby the deep core to navigate your way to the planet known as Cinder One. It will require a daunting astrogation check with one challenge dice. Uh, You do get a boost for your Navi computer, and you get an additional boost because you have relatively up-to-date classified Imperial intel on this area. Uh, There would be two setbacks just due to how dangerous and unpredictable the deep core is. However, having Dudo in the room assisting you uh, removes both of those setbacks. Um, And you can use Dudo's intellect of three. I'm going to flip a destiny point to upgrade this check. That is one success with a triumph and two advantages. So you angle the ship a little bit. Uh, Dudo assists kind of feeling out with what little force connection he has and also studying the map. And he points out like a couple like spots that look like they might have grav wells and could be a little dangerous. So he like adjusts the uh, calculations a little bit. Uh, you spend a, a decent amount of time doing this and it, and it, it worries you thinking about how uh, you know, you'll make this one jump partway into the deep core and then you'll have to do a similar thing just sitting open in restricted space, slowly recalculating the next jump. However, you make this first jump, uh, you zoom through hyperspace for 45 seconds, and then you drop out and immediately check all of your scanners, and you pick up on your scanners an Imperial Patrol of two Star Destroyers in the same system relatively nearby. Uh, I assume you have the uh, pseudo-cloaking device activated? 100%. They don't seem to scramble. To intercept you, it seems like perhaps for the moment they are unaware of your presence in the system with them. And luckily, um, you are your jump has put you in a pretty good position, so it will only take a hard piloting test to travel at sublight speeds to get to the next safe jump point. I will assist from the co-pilot seat. Uh, and due to your advantages that you rolled, you do get two boosts. That's three successes and three advantages. Uh, you make it through, and you can use those advantages as boosts to the following astrogation check you're going to have to make. Uh, you coast through, like, watching tensely as the Star Destroyers continue their patrol, don't break course, and seem not to notice you as you kind of coast to the point that you need to coast to, and then slowly angle the ship 
for the next jump, and then you have to punch it in. It is a uh, it is another daunting astrogation check with one challenge die. As the Imperials haven't noticed us yet, I take the opportunity to turn on the fire control system. Fair enough. I'm going to flip another destiny point to upgrade this check. So as with the previous test, every threat you gain will be a setback to your next piloting test. Every advantage will be a boost. Every triumph will downgrade the difficulty. And every despair will upgrade the difficulty. So that is four successes with a triumph and one advantage. Okay. You punch in the next coordinates, taking a deep breath, not sure exactly where you're going next. You jump into hyperspace. This time you travel for about a minute and a half and you pop out and immediately get proximity alerts as you realize that you are on the edge of a minefield. And in order to get to the next safe jump point, you need to successfully navigate this minefield. No problem. So... Uh, because you got a triumph, uh, you are in a position uh, where you can actually kind of skirt a decent amount of the minefield before you have to like dip in and go through to get to your point. Uh, so it will be an average piloting test, uh, and you get that boost from that advantage you had. I assist from the co-pilot seat. <laughs> That's two successes and five advantage. All right. Oko and Elkiri, are you guys in the cockpit with them? Oko is in the engineering bay. I guess I'm standing in the door to the cockpit. Well, uh, you watch tensely as Dudo is looking out like the the windows of the cockpit, uh, giving uh, extra information beyond what the sensors have uh, to Tan. Um, he's just like, a little more, a little more. And she's like, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, and they like spin the ship slightly angling one, uh, one wing down, slip forward, tip the nose up, move that way. Then, t- and then twist the, uh, ship, uh, the other wing down and keep just like inching their way through this minefield. Um, and then while it only takes about three minutes to get to the other side, uh, it feels like an agonizing amount of time. But impressively, Tan makes it through, and Dudo's like, that's it. We're at the point. We can jump from here. Uh, and so this will be another daunting astrogation check with a challenge die, and you can have five boosts from your piloting check. You've put yourself in a pretty decent position. Uh, I will flip a dark side point <laughs> to upgrade the difficulty of this test. Three successes and one advantage. You travel through hyperspace, this time for a mere 15 seconds. And then you pop out as your proximity alarm goes off. You drop out of hyperspace a little suddenly. And you find uh, that you are on the edge of a a super massive black hole that doesn't appear on any of the charts you have. Luckily, you were able to drop out of hyperspace quickly enough so as not to be completely sucked into the to the pole of it, you can reverse thrusters, and it will take a hard piloting check to skirt safely around this supermassive black hole in a timely fashion to make your final astrogation jump to the Cinder Nebula. I continue to assist from the co-pilot seat. As does Dito. That's four successes and two advantage. All right. You skirt around this what would have been devastating anomaly and you get to the other side of it 
after an agonizing like 15 minutes of like sublight travel, you angle the ship, and uh, by all accounts on your charts, you this will be the final jump you need to make to arrive outside the Cinder Nebula. So it will be another daunting check with a challenge die, uh, and you get two boosts from those advantages. I'm gonna flip another destiny point to upgrade this check. That's one success. <laughs> uh, so with a mere one net success, you make the jump. Uh, you travel for just a little over two minutes in hyperspace, and then you come out right on the edge, but at a safe distance to uh, this kind of pinkish purple nebula that's like circulating around uh you see kind of like crackles of uh radioactivity inside it uh and now you need to safely navigate your way through this nebula to what you presume to be a planet on the inside somewhere i will attempt to boost the shields to protect the exhibitor from radiation all right uh, go ahead and make that mechanics check i'll flip a dark side point uh to upgrade the difficulty of this check Four successes and one threat to protect the ship with one defense for five rounds. All right. And the ship takes one strain and you take one strain from that threat. And uh, shields boosted. You are floating on the edge of this nebula and it will take a daunting pilot test with two challenge dice to successfully navigate this to its presumably safe center. I will assist from the co-pilot seat. I'm going to spend one last destiny point to upgrade this check. Okay. That's two successes, two advantage, and one despair. (laughs) Well, you can use one of the two advantages to restore strain on the ship there. However, uh, as you kind of circle around this nebula and find a channel that seems to stay relatively open for most of the time... Uh, you go down it and it gets like tighter and turns and it's definitely not as stable a channel as you thought. And at one point you have to kind of gun it forward to avoid a part that is about to close in front of you. And, uh, you punch the engines in and, uh, you skirt the nebula as you do. And the, and that despair will inflict a critical injury on the ship. And as you get clipped with this uh, radiation, the lights of the exhibitor begin blinking in and out. Uh, you feel uh, the heat in the ship uh, increase by a few degrees. As you manage to pull it away, uh, removing yourself from the nebula and continuing to boost forward, and you see the end of the channel ahead of you. And you continue down that way as the lights of the exhibitor kind of restore where they are, but your Navi computer is completely fried. And as you are uh, approaching the channel, uh, Dudo puts a hand on the back of, like, Jaxamar's chair and, like, looks forward towards this opening that you're quickly approaching. And he says, I feel a dark presence. Another hunter reaching out through the force. He's expecting us. And you guys break out of the nebula into a patch of open space that is surrounded on all sides by the nebula. Crammed into this space is the small planet of Cinder 1, with two black holes on either side of it, keeping it locked in place in space. And blocking the one safe route to this planet is the Vigil-class Star Destroyer known as the Bloodhound. 
uh, as you're coasting forward into this scene, uh, your communicator on your console lights up, Tan, and a holographic image of Commander Rissa Inaro appears. Captain Mobok, I'm glad to see you survived the trip. It would have been disappointing, to say the least, to have the satisfaction of ending you stolen from Reaper Squad. There are no terms. No surrender will be accepted. This game of cat and mouse ends here, today. And with your deaths, so too will end the Hydean Underground. Oh, well, uh, we were going to accept your surrender, but I guess, yeah, let's do this. And you hang up on her. (laughs) And um, the bottom of the Bloodhound opens up, and three TIE fighters and one TIE interceptor begin to approach. I will flip on the electronic countermeasure suite. Let's all roll initiative. Did anyone get better than a four? I got a four with one advantage. Uh, Anyone get better than a three? I got a three. And who got better than a two? I will spend one strain to use rapid reaction and add a success. So I have two successes and two advantages. Okay. Maximum initiative at 2.0. And Dudo got uh, one success with an advantage. Uh, So the opposition will have a turn. Then you guys will have a turn. Then the opposition will have two. And you guys will have one. And the opposition will have two. And then you will have two. And then we'll end it off with opposition and then you guys. Uh, the Bloodhound will take the first action. Uh, it will maintain its position, and instead of firing at you with any of its cannons, it will launch two projectiles in your direction. And as they close in on you, you recognize them, Tan. They are breaching pods. Uh, these were used in the Clone Wars excessively by the Separatists. And I'm going to need you to roll two opposed piloting checks. One is hard with three challenge dice. That is two successes, an advantage, and a despair. And the other one is daunting with four challenge dice. That is three successes (laughs) and two despairs. So a total of three despairs on this test? Yeah. So they fail to breach you, but they do hit you. And the Excipitor is going to take two instances of five damage as both of these breaching pods fly at you and you kind of try and spin to, like, avoid them. And they aren't able to, like, hit you dead on, uh, but they do scrape up and drag their bladed fronts along the top and bottom of the Excipitor, cutting into the hole pretty heavily. Uh, but then they zoom past you, and you uh, and on your sensors you see them slowing down and beginning to turn around so they can attempt to uh, catch you and breach. And it's one of your guys' turns. I would like to pinpoint Mary Elson's TIE Fighter. Uh, yep, the TIE Interceptor with the uh, kind of more attack, angular, forward-pointed uh, side panels uh, with the red streak on one of them uh, is zooming in uh, in formation with the other TIE Fighters. Easy to spot. And uh, I am going to take brilliant evasion against her. Okay. So that's an an opposed piloting check. Uh, That is a daunting check with three challenge dice. And I'm going to upgrade uh, by flipping a destiny point. That's four successes and one threat. Okay. Uh, The ship takes a system strain 
as uh, you, having encountered Miri Elson of Reaper Squad more than a couple times in space, you know her usual attack angle, and you spin and dip down uh, to throw her off her groove. And from there, as she and the other TIE Fighters move to follow you, uh, you are changing your course and spinning around and rotating uh, on an outward axis uh, to make it nearly impossible for her to get a, a shot on you. And Brilliant Evasion will prevent her from being able to attack you at all for five combat rounds. And then I am going to um, continue that swooping to take evasive action against the other, the breaching pods and uh, the other fighters in the area. Okay. And I'm also going to take two strain to uh, zoom out of the cluster of ships around me and towards the Bloodhound to get Sorel in range to take a shot. Okay. You move from short range to close range. As you break from the swarm of TIE fighters uh, trying to follow you and fly towards the Bloodhound, you glance at your sensors and you see the three TIE fighters continuing to pursue and Miri uh, breaking formation with them, uh, seeming to understand that you've specifically uh, found a way to maneuver and mess with her targeting system. Uh, she pulls back and you watch as she hooks the front of her TIE fighter against uh, one of the breaching pods, jams it into full throttle, zooming the, the breaching pod towards you, uh, assisting them in, a, in their attempt to breach and catch you. Seeing this wild maneuver she's pulling off, uh, uh, you know she is straining her TIE interceptor uh, heavily, uh, but she does assist, uh, assist in giving the one of the two breaching pods a massive boost uh, to its attack. Um, and it will uh, it will attempt to breach with you. We are silhouette two and defense three. And you should upgrade the attack because of my evasive actions. Uh, and I will flip a dark side point to increase their chances. So this breaching pod does land into the back of the exhibitor, angled uh, into the cargo hold. It spears through and those blade-like forceps part the ship and spin around, creating a seal between this pod and the cargo hold. Oko, you are in the engineering bay. You have visual on the cargo hold. You see as, uh, as the roof breaks in, is carved open, uh, and dropping out of this pod is the Imperial Inquisitor lighting his double-bladed lightsaber and Magana Disc. Uh, the Inquisitor has uh, a very obvious cybernetic arm for his left arm, and Magana Disc has uh, her large, repeating heavy blaster uh, with the ammo backpack attached. And they drop down, and if you want them to not notice you, you can roll stealth. It will be a daunting opposed check with two challenge dice. Three failures. So... You see this happen, and you're looking out of the engineering bay into the cargo hold, and the Inquisitor immediately turns and looks at you, and you see his cybernetic fist close in anger, and you try to duck out of the way, but he knows you're there. No, thank you. We don't want any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is uh, one of your turns. 
as uh, the TIE fighters and the remaining breaching pod are close on your tail and you are closing in on the Bloodhound and you have been breached by an Inquisitor and Magana Disc. I would like to move to the cargo bay and open the doors. Okay, they will try to oppose you in that because you have to, to get to the airlock that they're nearby. You're going to have to go past them. All right. It will be a daunting coordination check against two challenge dice. One failure and one triumph. All right, so you do fail in making it to the controls of the airlock. You zoom forward, but the Inquisitor is already stepping in your direction, and as you uh, try to slip by him, he steps directly in the way, lightsaber at the ready, uh, and you have to change course. Um, But you did get a triumph. Do you have any idea what you'd like to use that for? I would like to pivot on my repulsors, tumbling in midair, causing the Inquisitor to miss and attack and attack Magana's ammo belt. So uh, the Inquisitor uh, moves to intercept you. Uh, Magana also moves, like leveling this large uh, repeater at you. And you spin and tumble and the Inquisitor swings. And with the bottom side of his, uh, his lightsaber, he actually nicks her ammo belt. And she swears loudly and goes, really? (laughs) (laughs) And then you go tumbling past them. Master Tan, we have borders. And uh, Magana will level her repeating uh, rifle at you, Oko, and shoot the few bolts she has to shoot before it runs out. I have one range defense. Uh, so she does hit you. She fires uh, the he- the repeating blaster until it clicks empty, uh, and two of the bolts shoot into your back, and you take 12 damage. And then you hear the repeater, after it hits you twice in the back, like shattering some of your surgical arms off of your backpack, she detaches the, uh, the heavy blaster, and it drops to the ground. The TIE fighters that are uh, chasing up behind you are going to uh, stay on target and attempt to shoot down the Exhibitor. Defense 3, Silhouette 2, and upgrade for evasive action. They shoot around you, uh, their, bl- uh, their shots bouncing off of the shield, and the Exhibitor takes no damage as they continue, to, they continue pursuit but are unable to land a clean shot. Uh, and it is your guys' turn again. Uh, two turns for you guys. Can I see the breaching pod that hasn't hit us yet? You can get glimpses of it. I mean, while you guys are closing in on the Bloodhound's position, you are not taking a direct path. Uh, Tan is using evasive maneuvers, and there's plenty of sweeping motions where she turns and spins around the ship, and you can see this breaching pod getting closer and closer. You can also see it on many of the sensors. Can I use the move power on it? Uh, If you roll well enough, yeah, you can... uh, you can increase the strength of your move power. Okay. You are very strong in the force. <laughs> I'd like to try and move it at least so it will have to redirect and take some time to get back to us. All right. Go ahead and roll an opposed check. It will be a hard check with three challenge dice. I pull on fear to manipulate something so big. and I will take a strain and a conflict and flip a destiny point. All right, as you use the dark side of the force. And I succeed with a threat and a despair. You reach out with the force and in fear swat at this uh, at this second breaching pod. Uh, it's flying towards you guys uh, and you put it 
careening off course a little bit. And it actually, uh, while it was on trajectory to like land in uh, land cleanly on you guys, it instead kind of skirts over the top of the occipiter and damages the shield array. And your guys' shields go down till the end of the next combat round. I will activate center of being as an incidental and okay. take a guarded stance as my maneuver. All right, standing in the uh, in the doorway to the cockpit, you uh, ignite your lightsaber, center yourself as you feel the dark presence of this Inquisitor aboard your ship. Uh, and then it's another slot for you guys. Who wants to go? I will hop out of the co-pilot seat and start moving towards the cargo bay. And as I move past Dudo, I will pat him on the shoulder and say, it basically shoots itself as I head down uh, to face the Inquisitor. Can I get there and can I get engaged with him this turn? I think with two maneuvers and a uh, coordination check to jump down the uh, the ladder, uh, an easy coordination check, jumping down the ladder, uh, you can you can pull that off. And I'll flip a dark side point to increase this check. That's n- no successes and four advantages. Okay, well, since you got so many advantages, you'll still make it there, uh, but your landing, you kind of have to roll into it. The drop is a little further than you anticipated, but you didn't want to take the time to, like, slide down the ladder. Um, so you will have a setback to uh, your following attack um, for this failure as you uh, as you kind of unbalanced yourself just a little bit getting to getting to getting into engaged range with this Inquisitor. Uh, and as I roll... I will roll out of the Jedi robes I have above the Jedi Temple Guard armor I'm wearing as I pop up and ignite my lightsaber. Okay. And then I will strike at this Inquisitor. Okay. He has three defense and adversary three. Before you are able to uh, attack him, I do need you to uh, roll a hard discipline check against his terrifying aura. That's three failures and three threat. Okay. So you roll out, revealing your uh, sentinel armor. You ignite your blue lightsaber, and the anger of seeing you in that armor permeates from uh, this Inquisitor. And he catches your blade, gritting his his black teeth at you. Uh, And for a moment, you are staggered. Uh, You will not be able to take an action this turn. Uh, meanwhile, the breaching pod that you sent off course, Elkiri, mm-hmm. reverses his thruster and just stops uh, and tries to reorient itself as the fight continues to careen away from it towards the Bloodhound. It's now very far behind and just barely starting to get its bearings. You seem to have put it into a spin that disoriented the uh, the people piloting it. Aha! Uh, Dudo sees uh, Jaxamar, uh run after him. He sees Elkiri kind of in a position looking like he's about, she's about to go fight this Inquisitor as well. He looks at the co-pilot seat that um, Jaxamar like gestured to, like with the fire control system set up and everything. And he reaches down towards his lightsaber as if he's going to make his way into the cargo bay. What the dosh are you doing? Take the shot! Take the shot! You shout that, and he like stops mid stride, turns back, looks through, uh, looks at the targeting system, looks through the the window at uh, the bloodhound that you are like giving him a clear shot on, and he swears under his breath, jumps into the uh, jumps into the co-pilot seat, and grabs the controls for the fire system uh, instead of going to assist Jacksonmar. Dudo grabs these controls, uh, swings the targeting array 
onto the heart of the Bloodhound, and he succeeds with six net hits and one advantage. Uh, How much damage is that? Five base damage, so 11 with the six net hits. And he just strafes over the top of the uh, Bloodhound, uh, blowing up components left and right, just filling it full of blaster bolts. Uh, And whoever goes next can have a boost to their next test. And the Inquisitor uh, will press the attack on Jaxamar as he feels the advantage of the fear that he is causing. I will dodge to upgrade the difficulty of this check. Uh, So he will hit you for nine damage, and he will crit you. And he will inflict a fearsome wound on you, which will increase the difficulty of all presence and willpower checks until the end of this encounter. He shoves back your lightsaber, putting you on the back foot. He grabs uh, the top of your um, breastplate and pulls you in to stab you through the gut. And uh, the lightsaber, um, uh, the lightsaber does not pierce all the way through. It kind of burns a hole in the cartosis weave of this armor. He lets out like a shout of anger and like rakes it along your gut, like cutting, uh, cutting uh, uh, right along the side of your torso, and then throws you back to like continue pressing the attack. He screams in anger, seeing that his lightsaber doesn't go through you, and he uh, and he like in a growl goes, "You have not earned this armor." And he drags his lightsaber uh, along, like, the side of your torso, like, leaving that fearsome wound right in your side. And then he shoves you back and continues to press the attack in anger. Uh, The bloodhound, uh, seeing you moving in and uh, having taken fire uh, from the Excipiter, will level their twin light turbo lasers at uh, the Excipiter. And uh, I'll flip a destiny point to upgrade the difficulty of that check. Okay, and you still have evasive actions present, so it's upgraded twice. Uh, and the Bloodhound struggling to get a lock on you um, as you careen towards them, uh, evading most of the shots from these TIE Fighters. Uh, the Turbo Laser Blasts barely miss you as they rolled exactly a wash. And it's one of your guys' turns. Uh, I will strike back at this Inquisitor. I will spend two maneuvers and take two strain to aim twice, and I will ebb the force around him as I do, and I will flip a destiny point to upgrade this check. And I will activate sense danger to remove two setbacks from this check. Okay. That's a failure with one advantage, a triumph, and both Magana and the Inquisitor add three automatic failures to all checks they make until the end of my next turn. All right, so you succeed in ebbing the force around them for sure, but you do not land the hit on this Inquisitor. Any ideas for what you'd like to use the Triumph for? I would like to disable his lightsaber as much as possible. Okay. Uh, uh, you, In a similar motion, you move in. He did not learn his lesson the first time, and you managed to strike at the bottom part of his lightsaber and break that emitter. Uh, so he is now only using a single-bladed lightsaber. However, uh, in your that was like the first maneuver you did, and then as you swing back around, he does catch your blade and then uh, manage to parry the, the remaining attacks that you send his way. Uh, Megana is going to, uh, having dropped her uh, heavy blaster rifle, she is going to move in on your position, Oko, uh, striking uh, 
a shock glove uh, on her left hand and holding a vibro knife in her right hand, she presses the attack on you. Defense four. Uh, but you are squirrely as ever, and as uh, as the force is not with her, uh, uh, Jaxmar ebbing uh, the force around. She doesn't feel its effects, but she does miss you wildly, swinging with her vibro knife uh, several times. You just skirt back out of her reach, and that breaching pod is going to now kind of back on course. Uh, it is going to. Uh, attempt to catch up with the Excipiter and land this breach. Uh, and I will flip a dark side point to increase their chances. Uh, and they rolled two failures, a despair, and two threat. Uh, <laughs> so they uh, zoom forward and uh, your evasive maneuvers throw them off course, and you actually spin your ship around, kind of swatting them with one of the sponsons like a uh, 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 like your ship is like a racket and uh, they go flying off to the side and you watch as uh, because you sent them way off course and they had gone full throttle to try and catch up to you uh, they are unable to prevent themselves from getting caught in the gravitational field of one of these black holes and they begin getting pulled in and you watch as they're uh, as it is ripped apart and stormtroopers go flying into this black hole and it's another one of your guys' turns Dudo, we need to get their comms down. Shoot at the comms. Uh, right away. Uh, he aims towards the uh, comm relay on the top of the bridge. And I'll flip a dark side point to make his test harder. So not only does Dudo, with his seven advantages, destroy this comm relay, he also links the, uh, the firing system to deal damage to the enemy ship. Uh, so he does 14 more damage, and the calm relay of the Bloodhound uh, blows up off the top of the bridge, and Rissa Naro can no longer command her troops. The TIE Fighters are going to continue shooting at the Excipiter as they chase you towards the Bloodhound. And they are unable to land a shot due to your expert piloting and evasive maneuvers. And the Inquisitor is going to press his attack on Jaxamar. I will dodge and upgrade the difficulty of this check once. I will flip a destiny point to upgrade his the difficulty of his check an additional time. Uh, so because the fl- force is ebbing away from him, he is unable uh, to land a hit. In fact, he opens himself up for you, and you can have a boost against your next attack against him. And uh, you guys have two turns. So for ships left, there is the Bloodhound that we're in close range with. Yep. There's Miri's TIE Interceptor. Yep, which is still having trouble getting a beat on you. And two TIE Fighters? Uh, Three TIE Fighters. And three TIE Fighters. So I'm going to continue to take evasive action as I swing myself around the Bloodhound um, to, to keep out of range of their guns. Okay. And then I am going to gain the advantage on them and try and put uh, Dudo in a really good position to to keep barraging them with fire. Sure thing. Uh, so you swing underneath them, uh, light laser cannons firing on you, the TIE fighters on your tail, uh, and you swing behind them. You see uh, you position yourself underneath and behind them. Uh, you are floating now over the glowing red planet of Cinder One. That's two successes and two advantages. Okay. 
so you are able to gain the advantage on them, which makes it so that uh, Duda will no longer have to suffer from the penalties of your uh, evasive actions. And on top of that, he can choose where he hits the Bloodhound as far as uh, bypassing its shields. And I'd like to send those two advantage forward as boosts to the next allied check. Sure thing. Who's up next? I'm engaged with Magana. Uh, yes. I'm going to stare directly into her face and turn on my glow rod. <laughs> Attempting to blind her. Sure. Yeah, I'll roll a resilience check for her. Uh, so she fails with one threat, so she'll take a strain, and she will be temporarily blinded and dumbfounded by, uh, by this uh, sudden flash, just column of light shooting out of your face replacing the little smiley just a bright light right in her in her eyes she closes her eyes and stumbles back kind of like trying to shield herself from it i will follow this up by shooting her (laughs) she has adversary one and two defense because she is blind you can both upgrade your test and add a boost five hits and three advantage which is 10 damage, and I will use the advantage to perform an immediate free maneuver. Okay. And run away. (laughs) So she's coming at you. She slashes a few times. You kind of pull back on your repulsors, and then she kind of grabs you on the shoulder and, like, raises her knife to, like, stab you right in the face, and you just turn on a glow rod right in her... uh, You turn on the glow of your screen... Uh, as bright as it can go, making a column of light blinding her for a second. She lets go, stumbles back, and you fire off her shot with your modified surgical laser, which, like, goes in her gut. And then you immediately, like, kick your, uh, kick your, like, repulsors forward and zoom the opposite direction. Uh, where, where are you heading to? The med bay, uh, just further in the cargo hold, the engineering bay, or upstairs? Upstairs, to position myself between the breach and Captain Tan. I will push the remaining advantage forward as a boost. Okay. And Elkiri? Uh, so seeing Oko make it up to basically stand guard, I will use the force to attempt to move Magana into the Inquisitor and hopefully toss them back into the pod from whence they came. So you spend a maneuver... Uh, getting to the top of the ladder leading down into the cargo bay, you see um, uh, Magana like rubbing her eyes and like blinking away spots. You see uh, Jax and the Inquisitor uh, engaged with each other, um, and you reach out with the force and you will roll a combined force check. Uh, uh, your discipline, they are at medium range, and uh, you will, since you are targeting both of them, you'll use the greater adversary rating of the Inquisitor of three. Uh, I will flip a destiny point to upgrade my check. Go for it. I realize as I feel, um, once again, the fear welling up inside of me that I've been using the dark side of the force to manipulate it and stop myself uh, from doing so. And I fail with two advantages. I will send both of them forward as boosts, and as an incidental, I will activate center of being. Okay. Uh, You sit there, you reach out, and you, instead of harnessing this fear, uh, you kind of stop, 
partway through like manipulating the force, uh, there is like kind of a tremor in the force that like will will um, will aid your your friends, but you do not grasp Mag- Magana and this Inquisitor shoving them back. And uh, as you're swinging, uh, as the Exceptor is swinging b- underneath and behind the uh, Bloodhound, uh, the Tie Fighters are following, and as is Miri Elson trying to get a clear shot on the Exceptor, but being unable to. Uh, and then the Inquisitor, feeling that tremor, uh, will look up and see Elkiri, and he is going to reach out with the Force and try to pull her to him so that he can slice her down. Uh, so he succeeds in pulling and striking you. However, your center of beam prevents him from being able to crit you. As he slices down with his uh, lightsaber, dealing eight damage to you. That ignores your soak. I will parry that. All right, you take three strain and reduce that damage by three. He pulls you down uh, off of the catwalk above, flying you right next to Jaxmar. Jaxmar, you roll out of the way, and you see as he swings and uh, uh, slices um, Elkiri's arm and then goes to stab her, and she manages to parry the, some of the attack away. Uh, and the TIE Fighters on your tail are going to try and shoot at the Exhibitor. Uh, however, your evasive maneuvers continue to protect you, and these TIE Fighters whiff on this attack. Uh, and it's a good guy turn. I'm going to strike back at this Inquisitor. I will spend two maneuvers and suffer two strain to aim twice. Uh, and I'm going to flip a destiny point to upgrade this check. And as I go to flow, I will activate the control upgrade in ebb and flow and commit my entire force rating to all checks remaining in this encounter. I don't have to spend destiny points to use dark side points. I use them automatically, um, suffering a strain and a conflict when I do. All force pips add either a success or an advantage. Becoming a conduit for the flow of the force, I deal 10 damage and have a triumph and eight advantages. I will use all of those to crit, combined with the vicious two on my lightsaber at a plus 70. All right, roll a d100 plus 70. That is 141, which is the end is nigh, which means at the end of the next combat round, the Inquisitor is dead. <laughs> uh, so seeing the Inquisitor pull Elkiri down and uh, and stab at her, he opens himself up against you, and you uh, step back, feeling this wave of force energy uh, guiding your strike as you leap forward and you drive your lightsaber through his uh, through his back and out his chest. Elkiri, you see as you parried, he came, He was coming back around for another strike and just uh, a blue tip of a lightsaber popped through his chest, just a little to the right of the heart. His like mouth opens up in like a silent scream as uh, Jaxmar pulls the lightsaber out and he turns back swinging wildly at Jaxmar in his death throes. I will suffer a strain to dodge and upgrade the difficulty of his check. I'll flip a destiny point to upgrade his uh, his attack. And Jaxmar, he will hit you for nine more damage and crit you once more before he dies. He strikes up, uh, carving the lightsaber against the front of the cartosis weave. Uh, sparks and embers shoot up into your into your face, uh, scoring uh, scoring your face, and um, you are slightly dazed, which makes uh, you disoriented until the end of this encounter. I Meaning you cannot take maneuvers. 
and Magana sidestepping around this fight is going to uh, charge at Elkiri. Uh, I will flip a destiny point to upgrade her test. Uh, she will do 12 damage to you, Elkiri, as she drives the vibro knife into your shoulder. I will parry that, which at the end of it, I will be at my wound threshold. Okay. Uh, so she dri- uh, she drives the knife into your shoulder, uh, and you swing your lightsaber up so that she has to yank it out of your shoulder and step back. But that kind of wild uh, slice you did to try and like chop off her arm leaves you open, and with her shot glove, she just clocks you in the face, and you go out. It's another one of your turns. I will fire at Magana again. All right. Three successes, three advantage, and a despair. Eight damage with piercing two. You see Magana uh, stab and overpower Elkiri, uh, floating up in the like hallway. Uh, you level your surgical laser, and uh, it heats up and fires and hits her right in the shoulder. And she spins around, looking up at you, like shouting out in pain. And you overheat your arm just a little bit with that with that charge. You kind of char- held the charge for just a little too long. And you uh, damage your surgical laser slightly. Uh, you will increase the difficulty of all attacks with it until you take the time to repair it. And I will push my three advantages forward as boosts. Uh, Miri will continue her pursuit, but is unable to uh, catch up because of Tan's brilliant evasion. Uh, however, the blood she will kind of push Tan into a position where the bloodhound fires upon her. Uh, and I will uh, flip a destiny point to increase their chances. They do fail in that shot, but under the command of Rissa and Naro, they manage to get a second barrage. They fail to hit you a second time, Tan, but they will spend the four advantages they got as this barrage of turbo laser fire uh, surrounds you and, and uh, uh, really forces your hand uh, in where you're able to even maneuver without getting hit, uh, your next piloting check will have its difficulty upgraded. Uh, so you guys have two slots left. Yeah, so I will, um, having been forced close closer to the Bloodhound, I will use that to my advantage to really line Dudo up right at the heart of the ship. Uh, and then I will call out to Dudo knowing that he isn't used to shooting from a starship. Um, I will call out points to him to shoot. Using fire discipline? Using fire discipline. Go for it. Roll that leadership chest. So that is three success and three threat. Okay, you will take three strain. It is, you are in a very harrowing position here. You know Miri Elson hasn't been able to get a line on you, but like you're splitting your focus between dodging turbo lasers, keeping Mary Elson at arm's length, and also contending with the three TIE fighters who've been firing on you this entire time. And amidst all of that, you're also trying to guide Dudo to take a good shot. It's stressful. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to flip a destiny point to upgrade his check. You shout that out. um, And, you know, the force is with Dudo and he takes a shot. Uh, So Dudo rolled three triumphs, five successes, and six advantages. What would you have him do, Captain? I'd like him to crit with uh, all of those uh, triumphs and all the advantages he can, and then do his base damage of 10. 
Okay, so he does the 10 damage. So he crits, um, and Dudo Nuem has lethal strikes too. So he gets to add an additional 20 to that. So he crits at a total of plus 60. Uh, so I rolled a total of 147, meaning the Bloodhound is now breaking up. Uh, so it will be destroyed at the end of this combat round. Uh, Tan, you fly, you, against the, uh, expectations of all around you, you turn into the turbo laser fire and fly directly at it, staying on target, spinning wildly. The TIE fighter's still on your tail. Miri Elson's still catching up. You reach out with one hand, painting the targets on, uh, on the targeting array for, uh, Dudo, showing him exactly where he needs to hit. And you give him a full run, tail to nose, of the, of the bottom side of the bloodhound. And he unloads all the blaster fire he can possibly uh, muster from this superior firing system that you have. And the shots just are perfectly aimed. Every single shot hits exactly the component it needs to hit to start a chain reaction of explosions that start breaking apart the bottom of the Star Destroyer. It starts blowing up, critical components flying off, the engines shut down, it starts getting pulled towards one of the black holes. Jaxamar, having sparked uh, ashes in your face, the uh, Inquisitor force pushes you into the ground and stands above you. The sounds of the explosions of the of the Bloodhound uh, echoing uh, within the uh, uh, within the Exhibitor, and uh, he turns his lightsaber uh, downwards to strike down at you. And uh, he begins to say something, uh, but all that comes up is a cough of blood. Uh, black slime mixed in with the the red of his blood. It drips down his chin, and the lightsaber in his hand shuts uh, shuts off. And he stumbles a little bit with the motions of the ship, and falls down on his side. Magana's aghast looks at you as you stand up. She also is hearing something in her in her uh, comm piece, uh, and um, Tan as you pull away. The explosions of, uh, from this uh, Star Destroyer hit the TIE Fighter squadron, squadron behind you, uh, sending them careening into the black hole. Miri Elson pulls back slightly out of sight around the other side of the wreckage, and you see uh, her ship has taken damage from the explosions as well, and it's kind of ha- it's half listing, and her interceptor and an escape pod go flying down towards Cinder 1 as the bloodhound rips apart from the mix of its explosions and the black hole tearing it apart. And you watch as it gets sucked into the gravity well. And that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company, Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries or sister companies, or any Star Wars license holder, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website, www.starwars.com, for more information. The Edge of the Empire 
Age of Rebellion, and Forced in Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.